welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 16th of September 2017. And not five minutes ago, I finished writing today's 5,250 words for one fatal error. And I want to talk to you about the writing today in a little bit more detail than I usually do, because as you're probably aware, often I sit down, I'm planned out, I don't generally struggle with the writing. But I'm in the last 10,000 words of this book now, and I will admit the the erratic nature of the writing over summer, um, I've had maybe two weeks in between writing sessions. And I, and I do feel like in my head, this story's gone off the boil a little bit in that it hasn't been living with me in my head all the time as the stories usually do. I usually write them beginning to end in quite a short time period. So when I came to write this morning, I was a little bit nervous about it. I had planned the writing out and I kind of knew where I was going with it, but I felt like, or I have felt like the stories maybe just slipped away from me a little bit. And the reason for that is, is that most of my thrillers, certainly, I, I like to build the characters and the relationships between them. I like to build the intrigue quite a lot. And the doubt that I've had with this book is that I moved from this multi-character book where there's all the relationships and all the things and the intrigue and the bits of bobs going on and the red herrings, all of that sort of stuff. And then it, it's felt to me like it's moved into the one character so that you're really just dead into the one character. You're not seeing what's happening to the other characters during that time. And I just had a little bit of a panic about it in bed this morning thinking, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure whether this is going to work for me. So I almost didn't write today. Um, I was thinking, right, can I shuffle my diary? When do I have to have this in to my editor? Can I, can I buy myself a little bit more thinking time with this? And I, I almost, again, it's been a busy week this week. And I almost thought, do you know what? I fancy a day off today. I don't want to write. I just fancy maybe going out bowling with one of the kids or something like that. Um, and, and I didn't do it in the end. I thought, no, sit down, write, do the writing and, and see what comes out. You can sort this out in the edit. So get the words written, get the story out, and it might not be right the first time around, but you can sort it in the edit. And you've got to keep hitting the goals or the book doesn't get done. If you turn away, if you turn your back on it any time, if you don't make yourself do the writing, then the book won't get written. And I should know this by now. I've done enough of books. I released my uh, 11th fiction book this week with Burden of Guilt. This is my 12th that I'm writing at the moment. And I should know that now. So I'm pleased I sat down and I can't remember who it was. Some famous person said, I always like having written rather than doing the writing. That's a, a misquote, but you probably have heard it and, and know it. And, and that's how I feel today. That I'm really pleased that I forced myself to sit down because by just going through the nature, the process of the writing, I've, I've figured it out. I, I figured out the solution to, to the problem. And if I'd let the problem stop me writing, then I'd have been 5,000 words less today. And it, it always does come out in the writing because in many respects, when you're writing, you just have to write what comes next. And that's simple and hard. But literally, often when I'm writing the books, I think, well, if, if I were here, if I was stuck in this situation, what would come next? What would I need to do? What would my options be? 
and then you you select from those options. I suppose in many respects, it's like do you remember those adventures we used to ki- read as kids when you had multiple options? You could do different things and different things happened. That's what's, what writing a book's like. You've just got to choose the option that you're going with that takes the action where you want it to. So I'm very pleased, very happy that I've written 5,250 words a day. It does tend to come when I write. I, I do think that, um, I think my concerns with this book are right, but I will pick them up in the edit. It's going to go through a lot of editing after I've, I've written it. I, I am going to get... Um, I'm going to finish this book tomorrow. So I'm writing on Saturday this week. I'm writing 10,000 words this week. So by the time I speak to you next week on the diary, I should have that book written first draft. In actual fact, when I speak to you this time next week, I will have done my first redrafting day, which is next Friday. I'll be working on it Thursday, Friday of next week and Saturday. So um, you'll have heard me actually beginning to go through it and starting to make those changes. So the book's going to be finished tomorrow. I know that now, having written today, I know I know where I'm going with it now. I've, everything's in place, and I've decided who did, who done it. I, it could have been anybody, frankly. And I've again, that's worked its way out as I've moved through the inevitable things that happen, have to happen in the book. I've kind of figured out who's done it now, and I, I like to I like to introduce that the who's done it really late in the book, and there is still a final twist to come actually in the book. I like to keep all of the cards close to my chest as late as I possibly can. Um, so I'm very pleased that writing's done today. As I say, it's, well, it's 10 minutes ago now that, that I finished writing. Uh, and I've got that sense of, of relief. <laughs> Thinking, oh, thank goodness for that. I, I managed to get to 45,000 words. Tomorrow I finish that book off. And next week I'll, I'll tell you where we're up to with that because I will have started revising it. There's nothing majorly wrong with it. It just felt to me that the the sort of the tone, the style has changed just a little bit too much from hearing about multiple people to then focusing on on one person and what he's doing. I just I might just need to insert some extra scenes or something like that in the end. I'm not, not sure yet. We'll see how it reads when I come back to it after a short break. Now, I told you in last week's diary that I was going to use the um, Paul Teague flop out a book launch technique for Burden of Guilt. And that's exactly what happened. It, it went live. <laughs> to a puff of smoke <laughs> on on Thursday, and I, you know, I'm fine with that because my 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 longer um, strategy. I, I I don't. When I did Dead of Night, I had loads of pre-sales, and frankly, it didn't make much difference. Uh, you know, and actually, the the issue here for me as a writer is not writing the books. It's about finding the audience. It's about you know find, finding my readers. About doing the marketing properly. And that you know, I know I've known for a long time that that's what I got to focus on. So with Burden of Guilt, it's fine. It's for sale. It's made some sales. That's all fine. You know, it, it hasn't shot to the top of the charts. That wasn't my strategy. It's fine. It's out there. And so uh, Burden of Guilt is now on sale. And one fatal error went on pre-sale this week as well. And if you remember, if you're listening closely to these diaries, the plan is to have Dead of Night, Burden of Guilt, one fatal error as a box set. So I have two thriller box sets. One Fatal Error is on pre-release now for the 6th of December. And then the box set is going to be released on the, the 8th of December. I've just given myself a day or two extra just to get that processed and put the three books together. And at that point, I've got the marketing tools, the marketing permutations that I need for the sci-fi and also for the thrillers. I'm happy that Burden of Guilt's out. It's fine. Uh, but I will... I need to get the whole marketing sorted out. I need to sort myself out with marketing across the board. Um, 
Interestingly, also this week, I got the paperback version of Burden of Guilt, and this was processed for the first time in vellum. And just to bring you up to speed, if you're not familiar with vellum, to me, it is the best thing I've ever used to format books. Only earlier this year, you got the option to format paperback. So this is the first time I have formatted a paperback in vellum. Absolutely brilliant. You just you press a button when you're formatting your books. It outputs Google Files, uh, Kobo, all the file formats that you need. And then if you've got the add-on, it just squirts out a nice, I think it's a PDF, a PDF that is suitable for CreateSpace and Ingram Spark. You just load that up to CreateSpace and it's job done. All the page numbers and the space and everything. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And so what I did with this is it was the first time I'd done it. Is I, I dropped that file into CreateSpace, put the cover on all the back matter and stuff. Ordered a copy just to see what it looks like. Perfect first time, straight out of the box. Absolutely great. If you're not using Vellum, please use Vellum. I've I've done all of it now. I've I've been through all the permutations. I wrote the first books in Word. I write in Scrivener now. I used to upload them in Word, process the HTML. I used to take ages. I hated processing paperbacks in Word. So I started paying somebody to do that. That was a great solution. Got lovely, beautifully formatted books, but it's more expensive. And the price of the vellum add-on is less than one book format. So, and I've paid for that for life now for vellum. I just get it for life. I can't remember what it costs, but it's, it's maybe, what is it? $200, $250, something like that. And if you're planning to write multiple books, that is a great deal. It's a really great deal. And you can update your book so easily to And also, it's really easy in Vellum to create the box sets. So Vellum is part of my production factory now. I'm never going back to the old ways. I'm, I'm using Vellum every time. I'm so happy with that paperback book because certainly up until now, I'm going to tell you something about this in a moment or two with paperbacks, but certainly up until now, like most indie authors, I sell a handful of paperbacks. So I don't want to spend a fortune on creating paperbacks if I'm making more money from ebooks, but I do want paperbacks to be available. So I decided some time ago that I was just going to create, uh, I don't know what you'd call them really, just, just simple to create paperbacks. I want them to look good. Of course I do. They need to be good quality and formatted correctly, but I don't want to spend a lot of time or a lot of money on them because I'm probably not going to get that money back, not as quickly as you do with the ebooks. And I feel that with Vellum now, I've got that licked. Uh, all of my thrillers have been put in paperback. I've just done a very simple paperback versions. No one, no one complains. You know, no one comes to, to moan at you about this. I've just put the Kindle covers on and I've then colored the, the spine and, and the back cover, uh, just picking out the color that's closest to the, the cover picture that I've used, they look absolutely fine. Nobody's moaned who's, who's bought them. And it's just a really cost-effective way of doing the covers. Whereas when I did the secret bunker and the grid, I was paying to get the special create space covers made, uh, taking a lot of time and trouble, getting all those lined up and things like that. And, and really in terms of sales, it hasn't been worth the cost or the trouble. That's been my experience. Now, if that ever changes, that's fine. I'll change. If I ever start selling in, in bookshops, that's fine. I'll, I'll change it. But for now, this is suited to be fine and no one's complaining because I'm selling more ebooks. Now, the other thing I need to mention about that is, is that like most of the authors, I've sold a handful of paperback books up until now. And I'm very lucky in that the Scotland Secret Bunker, who stock my Secret Bunker trilogy books, they, they buy my books. They always have bought my books, uh, 50, I think 90 at a time. They buy, they buy them in bulk. So I've always had those sales going through, which is great. But, my paperback book sales have just always been a bit of a trickle, but for some reason, the paperback sales are up. Now, th these are not high paperback sales, 
but they're not as low as they were. So for instance, I'm recording this halfway through October and I've sold um, 21 paperback copies of my MailChimp guide, which is selling really well and I'm not doing anything with it uh, to market it particularly. It can only be, people can only be finding it on the keyword. Now I've got those books priced at, I think it's $9.99. So I think I make four pounds, four dollars something um, off those books. They're, they're quite nice little earners, those. And my create space earnings are going up. The other thing is I'm selling a lot more of my other paperbacks. So it's been a really, um, by saying a really good month, I don't mean in a, in a, a multi-millionaire Dan Brown kind of way. I mean in a small indie author, usually have a trickle of sales kind of way. And um, a lot of other things are selling at the moment, which is very, very interesting. But that MailChimp book in particular is just selling itself in paperback and in Kindle form, which is very nice. Again, nothing to report, nothing to get excited about in those sales, but just more than I normally would without any particular promotion effort from me. So that's very interesting. It's also nice that I'm making a decent royalty off that MailChimp book as well. Now that, that then takes me back to a reason why I might be making those sales. It does seem to be linked, but I'm of course doing Amazon ads at the moment. And last Saturday, I spent the day doing loads of Amazon ads. I've been reading Brian Meeks's book, uh, Mastering Amazon Ads, and I do recommend that book to you. It's not a perfect book, as I think I said uh, last week. I-, I prefer things that are more methodical. And actually from Brian's book, what I'm going to do, I was, I've been reading it again this week and underlining bits in pencil. And what I want to actually do is a, is a Brian Meeks, at a glance, here's what you do kind of cheat sheet for myself. Um, because there's too many words and too many distractions in the book, as far as I'm concerned. What I'd like at the end of each chapter is a uh, action points. That's what I need because I've got a very logical, tied down, just tell me how it is kind of brain. So I'm probably going to produce that as a result of reading Brian's work. Uh, so I know ad type, ad bid, what your total budget is, all of these things. I just want it in a list so I can go through it and repeat. So at the moment, I've got lots of ads running on my books, and you're going to hang your head in despair when I tell you the next thing. You'll remember that I said that after the Don't Tell Meg trilogy had gone live, I sold a lot of books in a really good month, and I'd realized that a lot of my income had come from page reads. So again, if you remember this, I'd said, all right, that's fine. I'm going to go KDP Select because I'm really enthralled by these page reads. And then after the launch period, the page reads were, were, were neither here nor there. They didn't excite me anymore. And and also I'd, I, I'd thought about it and thought, actually, I'd listen to Joanna Penn, who always says, go wide, go wide, go wide. And I'd thought about, I like, I'd stopped getting the, the check from Draft the Digital and I'd had some money in from, from Google. And I thought, I quite like having money coming in from different outlet. So I'd said to you, right, okay, I'm going to go wide again. I'm going to take them out of KDP Select and I'm going to go wide. <laughs> now, please, please don't hang your head in despair too much, but that's changing again, but it's changing for a very good reason. I finished Brian's book this week and I've, I've been through it right from the beginning. And um, Brian talks about the importance of being in KDP Select if you're doing Amazon ads. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. If I'm paying Amazon to display my books, what Brian quite rightly says is that a lot of people who see the adverts for your books will click on it and then they won't have to buy it because they're in, uh, what is it, Kindle Unlimited. And so they could just read it. And we want to be attracting these so-called whale readers, people who just massively consume books. So if, I, if I'm if i not available for page reads, 
then I, I'm kind of wasting my money on the Amazon ads. And I, I read this and I thought, oh no, here we, here we go. I'm going to have to go into KDP Select because if I'm thrashing Amazon ads and I want to give Amazon ads a real good go and a run for their money, which is what I'm doing up till Christmas now, I'm committed to that. Because as I said earlier, I have to start selling my books. I can't just keep writing them. I've got to shift more of them more regularly. Um, Amazon ads is the next thing I'm going to try with this. And so I need to put my books into KDP Select. So that's what I've done this week. And I've done that precisely so that when I'm spending money on Amazon ads, I, I'm going to get a better return on investment. So when I'm when people are buying off me, hopefully on Amazon using these ads, they could buy and they could read and I can get paid for both. So I'm cutting off my nose to spite my face, I think, if I don't go select. Now, something else has made me think that too. You'll also recall that I'd listed my books on Kobo. And when I listed my books on Kobo, I was pretty sure I put them up for pre-sale, but they, they kind of seem to go live. And that might be my mistake with um, whatever this new Kobo thing is. Oh, Kobo Plus it's called, Kobo Plus. Uh, so I think it's probably to do with me not reading the small print on Kobo Plus as to why they went live. But anyhow, because I was putting my books into, into KDP Select this week, I, I went to Kobo and, and went to try and delist the books. And I can't do it. My interface is jammed again in Kobo. Now, you know, I really, really want to sell books on Kobo. And I really want to get that map where it shows me the selling locations. But this is twice I've tried Kobo now. And I've had problems with the interface. My interface currently is completely jammed up. I can't delist the books. And I've had to go to Kobo support. They can't sort it. They just kept coming back to me saying, oh, you need to do this. Yeah, I know I need to do this. I can't do it. it. My interface is locked. I cannot get into it for all my books. Now, I, you know, I'm a pretty techie guy. I don't have any of these problems with, I've never had these problems with Kindle, never had these problems with Draft the Digital. I keep having them with Kobo, and I don't know why. This is twice my interface has got jammed up in Kobo, and it's driving me spur. And I have to say, at this moment in time, having gone back to Kobo, all gung-ho and looking forward to putting my books wide, having now had another technical problem with Kobo, and seeing that with the Amazon ads, I'm being advised to go KDP select because I get more bang for my buck. It doesn't help, I'm afraid. So I'm feeling really frustrated with Kobo at the moment because I really, really want to embrace Kobo, but it feels like they're conspiring to stop me. Now, I have listed on Kobo through Draft the Digital, so I always have been on Kobo through Draft the Digital, and it's very, very simple that way. But I want to list directly in their interface. If you look at my dashboard right now, I mean, not only are my books all jammed up, so I've lost control of them now, uh, there's also been an error at the top of that interface since I came back to it saying we are currently implementing a fix for the free download counter, whatever that is. But, you know, it's just not good enough. If Kobo's going to compete with Kindle, they've got to sort their stuff out. You know, you can't be a uh, a third-rate opposition. If you make things difficult for authors, and this is where I've been twice now with Kobo, twice now I've given up and said, damn, I'll just go to Draft the Digital because it's easy with Draft the Digital. You can't do this. If you're going to be a competitor for Kindle, you've got to get your act together with this stuff. So I'm feeling uh, frustrated with Kobo. The funny thing is, you know, can't remember whether I mentioned this. Is I think it was last weekend, maybe. I, I had a little punt, and I, I thought, oh, sure. I love the way Kobo advertised on Joanna Penn's show. Um, I think that Mark, when he does his little inserts, I love the way he does that. And and I think it's the to me, it's the most um, 
unobtrusive advertising that I've heard on a podcast because Mark just comes in and says, hi, it's Mark from Kobo here. And then he gives you a practical little tip and it doesn't feel like someone's selling. I thought, I really like those little inserts. I'm going to try Kobo and see if I can get some sponsorship. So I, I approached Kobo last week. I haven't heard from them for some sponsorship. But the way I feel at the moment, if they came back for sponsorship, I'd have to say, look, I'm really peeved off with Kobo at the moment. I'm not sure I could take this sponsorship. This is even if they offer it to me, of course. But I don't know whether I could take it at the moment. Or if I did take it, I have to say, look, I'm going to have to give you a hard time about this. If you come on, I'm going to have to retain my my journalistic independence, if you want. I'm going to have to say to you, look, I've twice tried to use your interface and twice it's caused me problems. And I've gone back to Draft Digital. So it's given me a bit of a problem. I desperately, desperately want to love and embrace Kobo but they're making it hard for me. And I'm really frustrated by this problem I got this week because I should be able to delist my books just like that. But at the moment, I'm in technical hell and I'm not very happy about it. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, they're onto it, you know, to be fair. To be fair to Kobo, they've been attentive in terms of customer support, but I want it now. I don't want it in two days or three days. I need these books delisting now because it might give me a problem with Kindle. So that's what we're up to, doing lots of Amazon ads up to Christmas. Um, and, and quite scarily, you have to put budgets of about $1,200 on, but don't, don't worry about any of that. I've got loads of ads running at the moment. I think my total spend is still something, well, it's still below $8. And you'll hear people keep saying this to you about Amazon ads. You can't spend your money. You honestly can't spend your money, whatever budget you put on it. So I'm going to go for the Brian Meek strategy. I'm going to try different copy, different ads on all the books. They're all going to be in select and I'll let you know how it goes. See if we start selling books. What I can tell you, the funny thing about this is, what I can tell you is, is I'm selling more books, but I'm not always selling the books I'm advertising. So I don't know how that works. Maybe people look at the author or something like that. But I can tell you that since I've been running the ads, I am selling more books, but not necessarily the books that I'm promoting. You tell me how that works. But it's early days yet with Amazon ads. So I'll just let you know. This week, I did an impromptu book promo on the Grid 1. I was looking at the dates for Kindle Select or KDP Select. The Grid uh, trilogy has been in KDP Select for the last three months. It's, going, it's in again now uh, because of Brian Meeks' advice. And I just thought, well, I might as well run a promo on this. Um, the, the Grid, I, I, I never look at my reviews, or I seldom look at my reviews, as you know. Um, but the Grid at the moment, it's got, I think it's got 30 reviews on it. And it's like way up. It's four point something average review. And um, I'd missed that. All of a sudden, it seems to have got loads of reviews. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know where they've come from, or well, I do know where they've come from. They've come from readers, of course, but it hadn't got that many reviews. And I just happened to look at the stars when I was doing something rather. Hey, that's all right. That that's got thirty reviews in the USA, um, and a four point whatever it is average. That's perfectly respectable. I'm very happy with that. And I thought, you know, what? and and because the grid has also been. Uh, is it long-listed, short-listed? It's in some competition, and Kindle, whatever it is, competition. Um, it's had a little bit of minor competition success in the past few weeks. I thought, this is a good book. People seem to like this book. Uh, I ought to be doing more with it. So last minute, last weekend, I booked did a free Booksy promo. I put it on for free for a week, well, five, for five days. Uh, got a free Booksy promo. Um, got a Fussy Librarian promo. Got a Many Books promo as well. Uh, put it on free and thought, well, let's shift some more copies. Let me give you the results of that. The the book was number two in science fiction. This is free. Number two in dystopian. And number three, I think that's as high, high as it got. I think it might have got to number two f for the blink of an eye, but I didn't get a screenshot of it. So 
three will have to be the official position in post-apocalyptic. Pleased that it's coming up in all those three sections now, science fiction, dystopian and post-apocalyptic. That's exactly where it needs to be in terms of the content of the book. And on Wednesday, I, I love free booksy. You you'll hear me say about Vellum and how much I like Vellum. Let me just tell you how much I like free booksy as well. It works for me every single time. Thrillers and sci-fi cost me $70 for a promo. And on Wednesday, I shifted 1,252 free books. And on Thursday, 505 free books. Now, that was only free booksy on the Wednesday. One, two, five, two books. 95% of those are the US store. Free booksy works really well for me. And I know just from past experience that that will now give me read-through for two to three months. Bearing in mind the books two and three uh, are priced, that will now increase my income on the Grid Trilogy over the next two to three months. I know that because I've, I've, I've promoted that book two or three times now with Free Booksy. I've shifted then, what's that, 1,750. It'll probably be over. By the time the weekend's finished, by the time you've mopped up, I'll, that'll probably be 2,000 free books shifted. And that will drive read through on books two and three. This is the advantage. This is one of the advantages of having a trilogy. So that worked really well for me. Um, I think many books and Fussy Librarian are less good. I don't really like Fussy Librarian. I think, I think the title says it all, to be honest with you. Uh, many books I haven't really, I think I've tried before, but free books is the one that works. It really, really works every single time for me. And I get at least a thousand downloads. So if you are looking to promote for free, Take a look at Free Booksy. I really recommend it. I always call it the poor man's book bub. Those of us who can't get book bubs. And um, Robert Scott Norton sent me an email this week. And, and Robert was just telling me the success he'd had after his book bub. And it's made me, it's refired my energy and enthusiasm for getting a book bub again. So I am going to keep trying for a book bub um, based on that feedback. But in the meantime, you'll always get a Free Booksy. And it works really, really well for free books. So I can't recommend that one highly enough to you. The other thing I got back this week, I can't, I can't remember whether I'd ordered them when I spoke to you last week, is I got my 3D covers for my box set done. This is a fiver job. I got the, it was five dollars. I got it done for a fiver, and I'll put the. If you haven't seen it already on social media, I'll put the the box set on the resources page for this week's diary. It cost me five dollars on Fiverr. Beautiful, beautiful job. Two formats. Uh, you get a format in 3D with the three books and a book in front of the, the box set. And you get another one, which is my preferred one, where you get the book cover on a, uh, it's an iPad or something like that. And it's leaning against the books. $5 on Fiverr. I tipped at $10 because I was just, I just thought this is too little for this great job. It's a brilliant job that this lady's done. And then I wrote an email and said, can I have the, what's called the invisible PNG file? This is where I can take the, the box set and lay it over other graphics. I always like to have the invisible PNG file. And I said, I'll pay you for it. But because I tipped $10, the, the artist, the graphic artist said, that's fine. Have it for free. So for $15, I got three cuts, three different versions of the, of the image plus the invisible PNG, which is all I need. So absolutely brilliant. That allowed me then to put the box set on pre-order. So one fatal error, once it's written and edited, will go out on the 6th of December and then the box set will go out on the 8th of September. And then I have, well, say I have four box sets. I have four box sets of three books and also I box set my box sets. So I will then have uh, a six pack of books in thrillers and a six pack of books in sci-fi dystopian fiction. That's a pretty good place for me to be. And I'm hoping by then I'll have made some progress with my marketing and I can start to really 
concentrate on shifting books rather than just writing them all the time. So I'm very hopeful that Amazon ads are going to really help me to crack this uh, problem now. So I am aware that I'm, I'm probably going to have to refresh blurbs and things like this. I've got to get this marketing right, but I kind of know where I'm heading with this now for the next three months, three, four months up to Christmas. Um, lots of work to do all the time, as you will know, as you're an indie author. Lots of other uh, writing news this week. Uh, we're a hair's breadth away from 25,000 downloads for this podcast, which feels like a, a really good achievement for me. That's a lot of downloads. 25,000 downloads um, is, you know, it feels quite nice. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. I'll let you know when we break the 25,000 mark. Um, good week for the podcast because I interviewed Craig Martell. Now, Craig is one of the the early members, one of, not not a founder member, but one of the early members of the Twenty Books to Fifty K group, very close to Michael Andale, who is the founder of Twenty Books to Fifty K. And you'll have heard me talking about Twenty Books to Fifty K. There's not many things in this podcast that I stick my neck out and say you must do this. Vellum is one of them. Free Booksy is another one of them. Scrivener is another one of them. Just things where you really need to give it the time of day if you're an indie author. And 20 books to 50K is another thing you really need to give your attention to because there's so much great content there. And I'm saying to people in the UK, you you find the money to go to 20 Books London. And I was talking to Craig. Craig's organising the London gig. And he was just telling me about all the six-figure authors who are going to be there and how he's scheduling lots of time for people to talk to each other and network. And if, if you want to get into a room, the same room as six-figure authors, and this is what they call a mastermind book. If you've not heard of it yet, what's it called? Think and Grow Rich. If you've not heard of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, get it out and, and familiarize yourself with it because this is the concept of a mastermind group. If you want to learn how to be a six-figure author, you need to mix with six-figure authors. You need to people need to talk to people who, who are doing it and who can tell you what to do and what to do right and what you're doing wrong. And at 20 Books London... There are several, many even, six-figure authors going to be there, independent authors. And you need to be mixing with them. I want to be mixing with them. I, I was one of the first to book a ticket for that event because there are some things you just have to be at. And in my opinion, 20 Books London is one of those events. Now, it's only, it's 100, what is it, 165 quid? Let me tell you, I've spent 5,000 quid on training weekends in internet marketing. What we pay as independent authors is peanuts compared to what you pay if you're an internet marketer. They cost a fortune, those events. 165 pounds is nothing, even if you factor the travel in. Now, I know that might be personally difficult for you, um, financially, but I can't recommend this highly enough. You need to be in that room if you're a serious independent author. So get your ticket and uh, get there by hook or by crook. Sell some stuff on eBay, whatever you've got to do, but make the money to be there. Because I just think this is the this is the only indie author event that I, I would prioritize to that degree in 2018. It's going to be the best place to be. And the people that you'll learn from, the people that you'll mix with over dinner, it's going to be invaluable. You know, forget the training the relationships you will make at that event will be invaluable to you. So that, that's just me ranting on. But Craig was talking to me about that. He was telling me about the London event. So that will be coming up in his interview. And here is the value of networking. So I said to Craig, look, I, I tried to get Michael, but I'm at the bottom of Michael's slush pile of requests and things like that. And Craig said, that's all right. I'll put a word in and, and, and get that sorted for you. And surprise, surprise, Michael Andale is now booked on this podcast. And that is how networking works. You make connections with people who who maybe have more influence than you do. Um, it, it's You need to have reciprocity. 
So it's not take, take, take. So I, I got in contact with Craig because Craig was a guest on this podcast. I know that Craig and, and Michael Andale like to do uh, podcasts, get the word out. So there's reciprocity there. It's not me bleeding Craig dry for tips and hints and things like that. It's a two-way street. And as a favor then, Craig has, has put me directly in touch with Michael and Michael's agreed to come on to the podcast. And this is how networking works. And this is why you need to be in that room, in that hotel, when it's 20 books London. Now I've ranted enough. <laughs> I'll probably rant again, but I, I just can't urge you enough. I know sometimes that 165 quid feels like a lot of money, but in the terms of your author success, in terms of your author networking, it really isn't. It's not a high price to pay to get in a room with six, maybe even seven figure authors and, and to hear and learn from them. So that's my rant for this week. And uh, let me know if you're going. I'd love to see you there. There's, there's lots of people who listen to this podcast are going. So I'm really looking forward to meeting everybody face to face at 20 Books London. And uh, with that in mind, uh, thank you for your tweets this week. John Cronshaw uh, tweeted a lovely picture of the sea and blue sky, which is very rare in the UK at the moment. And uh, John was listening to the podcast at Half Moon Bay, which is near Hesham. And I uh, I lived down there for years, actually. We used to own a house down there. And that's why I began my teaching career, uh, when I began my radio career uh, down in Lancaster and Morecambe. Uh, spent many a happy day at Morecambe and still knit back there occasionally. Um, we were there, uh, took the kids. We got a tour of the nuclear power station fairly recently. Again, if you've listened to this diary for any length of time, you'll have heard me mentioning that on this podcast diary. So I, I love that area. So great to see blue skies and seas at Morecambe. I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, traditional seaside resorts, Morecambe being one of them. Alison Ingleby, who's also a previous guest of this show and will actually be on again at some point because like John, she's one of the brand new indie authors that I'm following through, just seeing how things are going, book launches and early writing careers are going. Uh, Alison, <laughs> we've got quite a nice little flurry of tweets going because Alison was listening to Joseph Alexander on the podcast and uh, thankfully, and also John Cronshaw, thankfully enjoying it and had posted a picture of some cakes being made, um, multitasking. So listening to our podcast and baking some cakes and I zoomed in on the photo because there's a little list next to the cooking mixture. You, you can see this on the resources page. I put the photo um, thinking that it would be a list of ingredients or the recipe. And it's actually, <laughs> Alison's been scribbling down notes from the podcast, learning points from the podcast whilst baking a cake. <laughs> and I've joked with Alison before because I think previously she had told me when we met that she'd been listening to John Cronshaw's first interview and had found it so invaluable that she'd had to take her rubber gloves off from the washing up to, to write down notes. So this is quite a running joke between Alice and I, but it's really, it's really great. It's lovely to hear uh, that the podcast is just creating all these learning points for you. You're having to rush away and jot down ideas because this is what I get from podcasts. I constantly hear things, oh, make a note of that. Oh, I'll read that book. That sounds good. And I'm pleased that you're getting that kind of value from the podcast. But um, again, in a later exchange with Alison, I said, I, I don't want to turn you into a baker. I'm trying to help you with your self-publishing. But uh, I think she'll be baking some more cakes and listening to the podcast. It obviously works very well for her. And one of these days, Alison, I hope to get my hands on some of that cooking because it looks good. And then finally, uh, another friend of the podcast, uh, Tim Lewis, who also produces and presents the excellent Begin Self-Publishing podcast, another podcast that you'll hear me constantly promoting um, uh, and cross-promoting because it's great content, very different from my podcast, and I get great value from it. But Tim Lewis was out on a walk, and uh, I can identify with this, Tim. Tim was saying, out walking in the rain, listening to your show. <laughs> yes, and actually, as I've been recording this, it's just poured down. 
outside my study here. Absolutely poured down. The weather's terrible in the UK at the moment. So well done for braving the rain, Tim. And I hope the podcast helped to take your mind off that for a little bit. But thank you all for listening to the podcast and keep those pictures coming. It's lovely to see where you're listening and what you're doing when you're listening to the podcast. That's it from me for this week. I just need to remind you that my guest on episode 81, release date, Monday the 18th of September 2017, is Laura Reed. Laura is a writer who took part in one of my Insta freebie giveaways and did very well in it. And when I, this is networking again, you see, I, I, I spotted Laura, I liked what she was doing, got in contact with her, asked if she'd come as a podcast guest, and we've recorded that now. She's an author. She's a freelance designer. She also bootstraps her business by designing book covers and selling book covers. She's had lots of interesting experience in the past working on on websites and as a designer. And it's been really interesting how those have fed into her writing career. Her debut novel is Deadly Sins. And the follow-up novel is Caught in a Lie. She's going to be talking us through how she writes, how she does the covers, how she produces the books, and all the learning experiences on the way. So that's coming up on Monday, the 18th of September. I will be back next Saturday with another diary. I should be telling you that I finished my book, One Fatal Error, and that we're on revisions at that stage. So for you, in the meantime, have a fantastic week of writing, and I will be back same time, same place, next Saturday. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.